In December, two important dates I want to bring to your attention. Uh, December 12th is going to be that Sunday, is Legacy Offering Sunday. Once a year, uh, at the end of the year, we do an offering above and beyond the tithe that go towards the vision of the church. And I'm going to share a little bit about kind of what God's done this year. Um, and I, I want to encourage, if you call Catalyst Home, to be praying. And here's what we just say. Ask God how he would have for you to give. Uh, our giving is not about our finances as much as it's about our relationship with God. Um, and with that giving, we'll go towards the acceleration of what God's doing here as a church family, which we'll be speaking more about as we get closer. But that's December 12th. And then I'm really excited because one of my favorite church services uh, is Christmas Eve. And for the first time in our church's history, uh, we're only about three years old, uh, we are having a Christmas Eve service, which I'm really excited about. And what I get excited about, because I love personally the idea of going to church and then coming home uh, and putting the kids in bed, and the next day you have to celebrate the Christmas day. Um, but I also uh, know this, that Christmas Eve service next to Easter uh, is the one service that people in your life who are far from God are most likely to come to. Think about this for a moment. Christmas Eve or Christmas season, everybody, even those who don't believe in Christ, are singing Silent Night. Everyone's going to sing away in a manger like they're already primed for Christ. And we'll just tell them, hey, this isn't about religion. Let's give you the real thing. There's actually real hope that can be found this Christmas season. So I want to encourage you to be praying about and bring someone. If you're going to be in town for Christmas Eve, bring someone that service. And we're believing to see many people come to faith in Christ. If you're going to be out of town, we'll stream our services online as we always do. Uh, but with that said, I want to I talk through some celebrations before we dive into the message of what God's done. I think it's important to celebrate. And uh, I first want to recap. Last year, um, we, in our legacy offering, there were three areas we focused on, which you'll see there's a lot of similarities in this year's areas, uh, all biblical, which is why. And they were this, is that we were giving towards, and what we wanted to see is to reach more people with the good news of Jesus. That's a good thing. Um, by the way, if you ever attend a church that isn't about sharing the good news of Jesus, leave that church in Jesus' name. Is that okay if I can pass you for a moment? Like, you don't have to make Catalyst your home, but here's what I ask. Make a church your home that lifts up the name of Jesus. Uh, we're not here about ourselves. We're here about the one who saves our souls. Um, here's second is develop and disciple our church family. And then lastly, we're called to make disciples, is to make a greater difference um, not just in the church, but throughout the Washington, D.C. area and beyond. Here's a couple things that we want to celebrate that God did this year. We did, uh, with the Spirit's help, um, we, if, if you remember this, it seems like long ago now, we were 13 months for online-only services as a church, um, which kind of take a moment. For those 13 months, there was a team that put in a lot of effort, and, uh, and there, were, there were a couple teams, but one in particular. Can we just put our hands together for our production team real big? If you have ever watched a service of ours online, uh, you can thank them. We regathered on Easter Sunday. Uh, we resurrected uh, on Easter Sunday uh, for in-person services here. Um, we also on that Sunday, let me just also shout the production team again. We started live streaming. Now, for some of you, man, I think it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, to live stream a service as opposed to showing a pre-recorded service, which we did during the pandemic when we were online only. And they did that. Uh, so we, we streamed our services online uh, as well during that time. Uh, so it was big. And as we regathered, that took uh, a lot of resource. As we kind of came back at a new space, you know, we were meeting in a theater beforehand down on Bethesda Row. We started here at the uh, Bethesda Hotel. Secondly is we uh, develop and disciple our church family. Uh, we started Faith and Life courses at the end of fall, last, 2020. No, yeah, 2020. Uh, we had nine different courses this year alone. Um, we also have had, since of spring, summer, and fall of our community groups, we've had 56 different groups this year. So if you host a group, I want to say thank you. If you teach a Faith and Life course, I want to say thank you. Uh, and then uh, our student ministry, our middle school student ministry, we started this year. We launched it online, and then we uh, transitioned in person. And I'm so grateful for our middle school student ministry and our next generation ministry and what God is doing there. Um, I'm going to share more about that. Uh, in just a moment about our next gen. And then lastly is to make a greater difference about the Washington, D.C. area and beyond. And this is pretty cool. Our first year as a church, um, we did one big serve day in July. 
We served our community in practical ways. Um, and then our second year, 2020, we did two, a summer and a fall. And then our third year, this year, we have done three serve days, a spring, a summer, and a fall. It's pretty amazing. Uh, we've done things like make sandwiches for Martha's Table, who distributes them to those who are experiencing homelessness. We've um, gathered food for, um, for Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless. Uh, we collected supplies most recently for, uh, for Afghan refugees who relocated here. Uh, we've done a number of things. We've organized a clothing closet, interfaith works um, during, this, during this season. So we've done a number of things to our serve days. We also in May started our took a step in our partnership with one child through child sponsorship in Haiti um, there. And uh, there's more to come in that regard, which I'll share about in just a moment. So we've made a greater difference, both here and beyond. A few other things. Uh, we have uh, Pastor Anu, who you just saw up here for the welcome. Uh, he was ordained before he came to Catalyst Church, but this year he officially became Pastor Anu Singh at Catalyst Church. Come on, if you love Pastor Anu, make some noise. We also, um, and this is a, a recent uh, news, um, some of you may know, our, we have our overseers. Pastor Darius Wise spoke last year here at our church. Uh, he is one of our overseers. Uh, Dr. Joseph Humidi, who's the VP of, uh, our president, uh, vice president at Regent University uh, Seminary. And uh, we also recently added uh, Pastor Mark Batterson, who's with National Community Church. Uh, he's become a mentor uh, in my life, in Christina's life, he and his wife, Laura, and they're on our oversight. And then we've also, um, and this is kind of behind the scenes of our church, but I think it's important for you all to know, we've established a local board of trustees uh, who are local members here at Catalyst uh, who serve, they are essentially a financial board for the church. They approve our budget, uh, real estate transactions, any indebtedness. Uh, we believe the importance of having a healthy church governance to have a healthy church. Amen. Uh, and we have three local individuals, uh, which is uh, Vanit Rajan, uh, Millie Arakawa, and Savannah John, who are serving in that capacity here at Catalyst Church, which we're so grateful for. Uh, so a lot of incredible things have happened in the life of our church this year. Um, here's a few numbers I want to share with you, because behind every number is a name. This is why we mention numbers, because every number matters. And uh, here's a few of them. Is, is this year, Decisions for Christ that we've had at our church has been 93 people have made a decision to either follow Christ or recommit their life to Christ. Uh, and then check this, in less than three years as a church, we've seen 585 people make that decision uh, to either follow Christ or recommit. And here's what I remind myself. You've been following Christ for a while. I want to remind you of this. There was at some point, someday, you were one person who in a service or somewhere made a decision. And those are 585 people. Their eternities are forever changed. And I want us as a church to never lose sight of that truth. Can we give God a hand clap for all that? Uh, we've seen 148 first-time guests come through our doors. Uh, we've seen 83 people attend our Next Steps uh, classes, kind of our membership process here at Catalyst if you're new. Uh, community groups. We had 316 people participate in a community group. This is all through quarter three this year, our first three quarters. Um, and then I mentioned the serve day participants. So uh, a lot to celebrate of what God's doing in the life of our church. Uh, let me share with you as we move into 2022. Again, this is very similar to the last year, and that's, that's on purpose. We really feel like this is what God's calling us to. Uh, there's a slight focus I do want to emphasize as well um, of what we feel called to and what you're giving to a legacy offering will go to at the end of the year. Here's number one, is we're still focused on reaching more people with the good news of Jesus. Um, let me give some specific vision around this. Uh, some of you have asked me in the past several months, um, hey, pastor, do you envision us being at the Bethesda Hotel? Like, this is where we're going to be. Um, the answer is, um, I hope not in Jesus' name. Uh, no, we love, we love where we are, um, but I want you to know this. We have a vision to, be, to have permanency here in the Bethesda area. Um, and I want you to know this, that, that we don't have any specific plans of when and where. We are planning some things behind the scenes when the opportunity arises. But here's what I want you to know. When we move into a permanent location, it's so that we can, as we are now, to be a blessing to our city. We're not just going to move into a building to have a church service. We're going to move into a building to bless a city. 
So we, our hope is to have activity all throughout the week where we can serve our community, bless our community in Jesus' name. Because we believe, if you're new here, I want you to hear this. Here at Catalyst Church, we do not merely reside in a community, we bless a city. And that's what I think all of our hearts should be, wherever you live. You're not there to just simply live, you're there to bless in Jesus' name. Um, also, here's what we know. There are some of you who come from uh, Silver Spring or Rockville or Germantown, even some from Howard County, some from Fairfax County, some from the district. And here's what we know. Not everyone, if you feel called here, you'll drive a distance. And some of you do drive 30, 40, 45 minutes to come to church. Uh, but there are a lot of people, especially those far from Christ, who won't drive that far to come to a church, build, church service. Uh, so in our vision is to have future locations around the metropolitan area. Uh, so if you live in Silver Spring, you can pray for that Silver Spring location uh, or wherever you are uh, so that there are people in your life who may not drive to Bethesda for church um, that you can uh, kind of have a, a, a location near them. Um, here's the next one, and, I, and I'm probably most excited about this one, is develop and disciple all generations uh, at Catalyst Church. And um, I came across a statistic recently from the Pew Research Company, and this really has, sh- has has shaken me personally. And they found over the, over the, the last number of generations, I think the, the study went back to the 1950s, they have found with each succeeding generation that each generation there are less and less people following Christ, percentage-wise. And can I tell you that we as a church, and I believe you as a follower of Christ, that we should not live merely to reach our generation but to pass our faith to our children and our children's children and our children's children's children that we should pass this on generationally. And can I tell you, if you are part of this church, you've been wondering, how can I get involved, make a difference? Can I tell you a place, anywhere you can make a difference, but can I tell you, I think, where you can make a significant difference for generations to come because here's what we believe. We are not just merely doing child care back there. We are raising the next generation of the leaders of our world. And just so we know this too, um, you, it's, <laughs> you can make a significant difference in the world before the age of 18. I'm believing some of our kids back there are going to make a difference at seven years old, at 12 years old. Come on, parents. You believe it in Jesus' name? I pray that over my kids. They're going to be leaders in their school in Jesus' name. They're going to influence their teachers in Jesus' name. That we're going to raise up people who are filled with the Spirit of God, convicted by, by the Spirit of God. They're going to lead not just their generation, but generations to come. And I, church, we're going to invest in our next generation here at Catalyst Church. And I love that we have a team who not only want to see children and students come to faith, but even talking to our student team a few months ago, and they are passionate seeing our students grow in their faith. And I'm believing that here at Catalyst Church. Amen? That we're going to see all generations reached in Jesus' name, that we're raising up leaders. And I think it's something we need to all be concerned about, whether you have children or not, because we have a responsibility to pass our faith on to the next generation. And then lastly, to make a greater difference at the Washington, D.C. area and beyond. Uh, we're going to continue on serve days. We're going to continue to deepen our relationships with great organizations here like Martha's Table and Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless and Interfaith Works and Central Union Mission. Um, and then also, that's locally. We feel like our, our responsibility is first to our own backyard. Uh, you know, before you go try to change the world, focus on home first. You know, it was even Mother Teresa who said, hey, you want to change the world? Start writing your own, own, own house. And I think we as a church start right here uh, in our church, in our community. But we do have responsibility as well, both nationally and internationally. Um, And some of you have asked me, hey, pastor, are we going to ever do mission trips? Um, The answer is yes. Uh, I don't have a when and a where yet, but we are working with some of our missions partners that we financially support um, about organizing a trip. And I want you to also know this philosophically as a church. We don't want to just go somewhere, some other country, some other part of this country, and then pull out. We want to come alongside with locals who are already doing great work and say, how can we serve you? What do you want us to do? We'll do it. And when that opportunity comes, we're going to have that here as a church. So, sound good? All right. Now let's move forward into our message. Uh, I wanted to share some vision about where we're going. Um, I know I don't have specifics. When I do, I will share it with you. Uh, I don't have kind of anything we're, we're not saying um, but I wanted to give some vision of where we believe God wants to take us as a church together. And I want to talk today, you know, this week I um, was preparing the message. And to be honest, I had, a, I had a message, a different message coming into the week. Typically, I like to, I like to know, um, I have a direction of where I'm going when, I, when Monday hits. I've kind of been praying and preparing. 
uh, for the next Sunday. And this week, I felt like I had different message came to me around Thursday, uh, which I particularly do not necessarily love when God does that. But I did feel like we needed a shift. Uh, and here's what I felt to speak on, and, and we're going to look at a passage, which some of you have been around church, you're familiar with, but I want to encourage you to have fresh eyes as, you, as, you, as we read it. Um, and let me also say this. I think sometimes God will bring a message to, to comfort us. Uh, sometimes he'll bring a message to challenge us. I think this message is to actually move us. I think God wants to see some movement in our lives. Uh, so today the tone will be a little bit of a movement. I've entitled the message, Moving Forward. And here's why, because these past 18 months, and maybe you felt this, um, I know at least those first six months, 12 months especially, culturally, we were kind of in this survival mode, right? Kind of, kind of, kind of hunkered down. And now we're kind of slowly moving into this kind of weird kind of pandemic, post-pandemic kind of world. We don't even know where we are. Anybody else, you ever wonder, like, when will this be over? Is it over? I don't know, you know? Um, but here's what I feel like, personally, for our church, and I, and I think for us, this is your home church for you personally. It's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. And I want to look at the passage of Scripture of Joshua 3 and 4, where, the, where Joshua led the Israelites forward into their promised land. And uh, before we do, let's pray, though, over the message. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today as we open up your word, God, that you would uh, speak to our hearts, God. We came to hear from you today, God, and we just posture our hearts and minds to receive from you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua 3, verses 1. Let me give context. The Israelites had this promise from God to inherit their promised land. Um, but because of doubt and unbelief, they, did not, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Um, and it's important that, that we, um, we, uh, we, we, ha- we have faith and we believe God at his word. Because of their unbelief. Because they didn't believe that God could do what he said he would do. They wandered for 40 years. They were stuck. So now, this moment, Joshua takes over leadership of the Israelites, and they're about to move forward across the Jordan River. So this early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from, from, from Shittim and went to the, to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the Levitical priest, carrying it, you are able to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance, about 2,000 cubits, between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I want to share three points with you today. Here's the first one. To move forward in the purposes of God in our life, we have to first move forward in our pursuit of God. It says that they, they set out from Shittim. And here's why it's important that, that we, we focus on the fact they set out from Shittim, because they had been encamped in Shittim for a while. And here's what happened in Shittim. Um, in Shittim, in their waiting, in their wandering, they started worshiping Baal. They started worshiping false gods. Be careful while you're waiting on God and if you're disappointed on God that you don't start worshiping little G-gods. That you start thinking to yourself, man, God, anybody else, God's ever been late to your party? Come on, anybody? You're like, God, you about four years behind. Where you been? <laughs> Just me, okay. Maybe we'll be some honest people later on. Um, But be careful in your waiting and your disappointment. All of a sudden, you don't begin to put your hope in little G-gods. That you think, you ever had this thought to yourself, well, God, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. God, you won't bring me a husband or a wife, I'm going to go find myself one. God, if you don't, if you don't make this happen, I'm going to make it happen. And if you know your scripture, Abraham and Sarah were like that, and they birthed Ishmael, whereas God had Isaac for them. Be careful you don't live a life birthing Ishmael's. You don't live a life where you continually are trying to manufacture the will of God for your life. Because when you try to manufacture the will of God for your life, you will actually miss out on the will of God for your life, and you will lack the power of God upon your life. So so they begin to, to worship false gods. They begin to disobey the ways of God. That's why Joshua says we need to set out from Shittim. We need to get up on out of here. And here's the reality. There are some of you in this room, you need, to, you need to leave some things behind in this past season. Paul said this. 
He says, I do not consider myself yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, I press towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, I was at the airport this week. I, was, I, I flew to a conference, and on Friday I was flying back, and I walked up to the security gate. And have you ever seen this at a security gate? Uh, because you can't take your, your water bottles through, you see like a like water bottles everywhere, like people had to leave. Anybody else, you're like me, you're like, I paid $4 for that water, so I am not gonna pour that out in Jesus' name. I'm gonna drink all 46 ounces right now, <laughs> right? And then you're in the security of your line, you're like, hurry up, come on. <laughs> Need to get that TSA pre-check. That's how people get TSA pre-checks, so they can get them to the bathroom quicker. But I was like, I need, I need to get through. But I, but I had this thought, you know, you cannot go through the security gate with, with liquid. You have, to, you have to leave it behind. And the reality is this, that for some of you to walk according to the purpose that God has for you in this next season, you have to leave some things behind in this season. Maybe for some of you, there's some unhealthy practices. Maybe you've gotten out of the habit of gathering together with your church to worship, which is the will of God for your life. Maybe you've gotten out of the habit of reading the scripture regularly, praying regularly, living generously. Maybe in your marriage, you've gotten out of the habit of dating your spouse, of pursuing your spouse. Maybe you've just gotten out of some habits. Maybe you've engaged in some practices, maybe some sin in your life. Maybe some unhealthy habits in your life you picked up over this pandemic. Now you need to say, I'm gonna leave it behind in this season. Maybe some thought patterns. Uh, maybe there are some of you in this room, you had a dream that you felt was from God, some things you were believing God for in your life. Maybe you thought you were married, but maybe because you're disappointed that you're not even dating anyone right now, maybe you've given up on that dream. Or maybe you had a dream to have a child one day, but the fact that you're not even pregnant right now, maybe you're giving up on that dream. You had a dream to launch that business, but the fact that you've tried twice and it hasn't taken off, you're trying to give up on that dream. For some of you, you need to leave behind self-limiting beliefs in this season. You need to leave behind some doubt. If God said it, believe it. Sometimes the reason we're not seeing what God's already said because we stopped believing it. For 40 years they wandered, not because God didn't have the promised land for them, but because they stopped believing that God had a promised land for them. Believe again. I told you I'm going to try to move you. I feel like God wants to move us today. I told you. Like, I want us to get faith again. To faith to rise in our hearts. If God said it, God, help me to believe it. Help me with my unbelief, God. You know, the disciples prayed that. It's not a bad prayer to pray. God, help me with my unbelief. On a side note, if you are struggling with doubt, that's okay to struggle with doubt. Just don't struggle with doubt away from God. Struggle with your doubt with God. Be like Jacob and wrestle with him. Don't try to wrestle without him. Or maybe there's some relationships. Maybe some of you picked up some relationships that are actually drawing you away from God, not pushing you towards God, and you need to let go of that relationship in Jesus' name. But then they set out to follow the Ark of the Covenant. They didn't will it. I think they'd be careful sometimes. Because sometimes, I don't know if anybody here is like me, you want something. And you might even think it's from God. But then you try to go get it in your own way. And sometimes we can actually jump ahead or be way behind God's actual timing. See, they, they didn't just say, you know what, we're going to cross the Jordan. God has a promised land for it. We're going to go get it right now. No, what do they do? They followed the Ark of the Covenant. Why is the Ark of the Covenant important? The Ark of the Covenant was made of acacia wood. It was this literal box. And in that was the Ten Commandment tablets, the law of God. And then on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, there was, a t there was blood from an atoning sacrifice uh, for their sins. Which this, that, that actually, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the, the sprinkled blood, prophetically represented in the future the one and final sacrifice, Jesus. Which is why we don't have to sacrifice a lamb today after church. Aren't you glad? Come on. That'd be weird. Welcome to church. Uh, in about 30 minutes, we're going to sacrifice a lamb. If you need, bring your lamb forward. Um, if your church does that, run. There was one sacrifice. Run for many reasons, but... Jesus is the only sacrifice we need. Um, so it represented the, the ark, the, the, the presence of God. So they weren't just merely willing it. They were following God. They were seeking after God. David wrote this, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
That, that word good thing literally means lacks no pleasure, literally in the original Hebrew. That, that to, to seek God means to inquire and means to consult. You know, I was thinking to myself, anybody here is like me, when you get into a car, if I'm driving more than like 10, 15 minutes somewhere, even if I know where I'm going, because even vaguely, I still put it in my phone GPS. Anybody else, you rely upon your GPS. Anybody else, you feel like you've lost your sense of direction completely. Like when you leave your home, you're like, where do I go? Oh, my phone. Or if your phone dies when you're driving, you're like, oh, no. You call your, I'm not coming home. Jeremy, you're five minutes away. You know, it's like, a, I don't know where I am. Uh, but, you know, here's why. The other day, I, I traveled like 15 minutes from my house. But I put it in my GPS. And when I put it in, I noticed it was telling me to go a different route than I normally take. And here's why. There was a road closure. So if I would have went my normal route, I would have got stuck in a road closure. I would have had to, like, figure it out anyway. I thought to myself, the reason we entrust in GPS, because they, they know the road closures when there's traffic. Come on, anybody else, you ever like go to put in your GPS on your phone and you see that like that red line across the beltway? You're like, oh, Lord Jesus. Uh, but it tells you when there's traffic, when there's a road closure, it tells you if there's an accident. I thought to myself, I'm thinking for, for Jeremy. Why am I so quick to trust a GPS that knows things that I don't know? They know of road closures. They know of accidents. They know of traffic that I don't know about. But sometimes I am unwilling to consult a God who knows the end from the beginning. That, 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 that sometimes we, we and, and let me ask you this. Listen, I'm all about having plans. But when's the last time you took your five-year plan and you placed it at the feet of Christ? And you say, God, if it is your will, let it be done. If it is not, come on, you write the plan and you give God the eraser. And you say, if this isn't your plan, have your way, God. Have your way. Why? Because those who seek God, not who seek their plans, not who execute their strategy, those who seek God lack no good thing. Listen, have strategic plans. Plan yourself into your own party, right? But submit it to God. Seek God. Corey Tenboom, who uh, there's a book about her life called The Hiding Place, made into a movie. Um, she said this. She, she actually protected Jews in Nazi Germany. She hid them in her house. Incredible woman. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Trust God. And then Joshua in verse 5 says, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, God will do amazing things about you. That time and culture, consecration meant to wash your clothes and to abstain from sex. Um, even for married people in that time, they were like, no sex, wash your clothes. And consecration in the Old Testament really refers to symbolically, in the New Testament, what's most often used is the term uh, holiness or purity or righteousness. That there's this correlation there. And we see that God gives them their next direction after they consecrated themselves, after they were set apart. And I, and I know, and, and I want to be clear, we are not saved by our own righteousness. We don't earn our way into heaven. Paul said our righteousness is like filthy rats. You couldn't. You're not that good. Let yourself off the hook. But it does not mean that you should not pursue righteousness. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness his right way of living. Peter says, be holy because God is holy. He said the New Testament. God still, just to be clear, you cannot earn your way into heaven, but God does care how you live. And, and, and in this moment, Joshua has them consecrate themselves because here's the reality. Sometimes, if you have unrepentant sin in your life, it can actually be holding you back from God's best in your life. It says here in Hebrews 12, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That word entangles also means distracts. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The reality is this, that we can have sin in our life that can, that can be a hindrance to us. And let me just say this, often we think of sin, we think of like sins of commission, right? 
sexual sin or uh, some type of clear. Like if you were to see it, you're like, oh, that's definitely. But sin can also be sin of omission, meaning you know what to do, but you don't do it. You know you're supposed to trust God in your finances, but you don't. Uh, you know you, you're supposed to, to not gossip at work, but you do. Sometimes we think of the big things. It's those, it's those moments where you know you lied to someone, like you know you kind of exaggerated too much. It's, it's sometimes those. And I think a mark of spiritual maturity is not so much of you repenting of these egregious and observable sins. It's you being aware of the pride in your own heart. It's you being aware of the greed in your own heart, which is why you live close-fisted. The pride in your heart that makes you think you're self-righteous. That somehow, because of how long you've been following God or what you do, you're better than the person beside you. It's those kinds of things that are a mark of spiritual maturity. And consecration is not just saying, I need to abstain from sexual sin. It might be, I need to get this pride out of my heart. I, I need to ask God to help root this greed, this envy in my heart. I, that, that, that's what it means to, 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 to throw off those things that are hindering you. But sometimes you need help. You know, um, I, I was reflecting on this this week. My, my children now have played uh, three years of soccer. So I don't know if that makes me an official soccer dad. I don't know if we have any soccer professionals out here. I don't know if I'm a soccer dad now. I think I am. And uh, I was at a game for Judah recently, and um, his, his cleats kept coming untied. Now, listen, I never played soccer. I don't necessarily have an affinity for the sport. Um, I do it out of love. And uh, so anyways, he started coming, coming over to the sidelines because his cleats kept coming untied, and I'd, I'd tie him. And about five minutes later, he'd come back over. That happened several times, and eventually the coach saw it. And he's like, he came over to me, and he showed me how to tie the cleats appropriately, and they didn't untie again. And I thought to myself, like, his, his, I needed help to help Judah not be hindered by his shoelaces. And sometimes the hindrance of your sin, you have tried to get free of that area of your life. You've tried to, to get free of that pride and self-righteousness. You've tried to get free of gossiping. You've tried to get free of that area of your life, but you haven't. It's because the way God designs you is that you need help. That's why James said, confess your sin one to another so you can experience healing, a freedom on the inside out. That's why we have community groups. We don't have community groups so you can get a new book study, so that you can try a new restaurant. We have community groups. You can meet someone that you can take the mask off with and say, here's what I'm really struggling with. Here's what I haven't told anyone in seven years. And they can pray for you. They can support you. They can encourage you. They can be there for you so that you can run free. Here's the second point. So move forward. In your pursuit of God, number two, move forward with, in faith with others. So when people broke camp, this is Joshua 3, 14, crossed the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage during all of during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled in a heap a great distance away. It was completely cut off. The people then crossed over opposite Jericho. Now, if you've been around church, we can read stories like this and not think of a big deal. But think how crazy this is for a moment. You, you, you cross the Jordan River. By the way, the Jordan River at flood stage, conservatively, scholars say, was minimally 10 feet deep and a mile wide. In 1854, a professional swimmer attempted to swim across the Jordan River. He could not make it. So this was a wide river at flood stage, turbulent waters, and God says, cross it. And they didn't have boats then either, like we do now. Um, and, and the priests step into the water, and the water parts. Now imagine how crazy that would have been. The water, they said, it was probably standing up 20 feet in the air. And it was dry right in the middle. And I think it's important that we recognize this, that, 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 they, that they had to, they were facing what seemed to be insurmountable circumstances. Not to mention, for 40 years, they had probably been fed by their ancestors, like, and the generation previously, like, fear and doubt. God's not going to do it. So they had internal obstacles and external obstacles. In the same way, sometimes when God asks you to step out on faith, sometimes those internal obstacles can be your insecurity. 
It can be fear. It can be doubt. Sometimes it can be external. God told you to start a business, and you might say, God, I ain't got no money. <laughs> or you need, to, you need to go into this, this field. God, I don't have an education for that. Sometimes there can be external and internal obstacles. And then as soon as they step foot in the river, the, the water parted. Now, I don't know if anybody here is like me. But I like to see God move before I move. Anybody else? It's like, God, do you want me to do that? Let me see what you got, right? <laughs> like, God, you want me to start that business? Then first bring in the resource. God, do you want me to propose to her? Well, can she bring up marriage first just so I know she's thinking that too? Anybody else? You're like, God, bring me the perfect conditions. And here's what I know. If you had perfect conditions, it would require no faith. And God does not want you to have perfect conditions because then you wouldn't need him. He wants you to step in 10 feet of turbulent water and get your own leg wet because then he knows you trust me. See, sometimes I think God will allow you to be in situations that require a lot of faith because sometimes it's in those situations you actually talk to him the most. It's when you get married and you don't feel ready to be a husband or a wife. God says, I like this. You're talking to me a lot. It's when we started the Catalyst Church, I was talking to God a lot. I think sometimes God loves it because he wants a relationship with you. Listen, he'll bless you, but he wants a relationship with you. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. You, you'll, you'll, I love Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. I was reminded years ago, my son Judah, who turned six next month, he was, uh, he was a little bit af afraid of water when he was younger. And we try to get him to like jump in the pool and he would like be hesitant. And uh, so I, I, would, I would look at him in the pool. I said, Judah, jump right into your dad's arms. Like, I'm going to catch you. Like, you're okay. Like, your dad can handle three feet of water. Like, I'm here. Just jump right into my arms. I'm going to catch you. And then eventually, after several times of him doing that, he got confident. Oh, my dad's in the water. Oh, my dad's going to catch me. But then your boy got too confident, so he's, like, running the opposite side of the pool, being like, Dad, watch, you know? Like, it's like, okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> like, it's all about when and where you jump first. But can I tell you, here's why I think those priests confidently stepped in the water, because they knew their heavenly Father was in that water. And can I tell you, if God is calling you to it, he is already in it. And he's saying, step, child. Well, God, the waters are turbulent. God, the economy is unstable. God, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Step and watch him part the waters. Because then, like the Israelites, you can't take credit. They'll see it was God. I've said this before, but I want you to live the kind of life. I want to live the kind of life that doesn't make sense. Because Jeremy ain't all that much, people. And listen, I know you're brilliant, but she ain't that brilliant compared to God. I want you to live a life people can say, that doesn't make sense. The fact that she did that, that doesn't make sense. The fact that he wrote that book, that doesn't make sense. The fact that he married her, that's what they say of me and Christina, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I'm like, you are right, that doesn't make sense. Because it wasn't me. It was God. And all he asked you to do is step. And listen, some of you are concerned because you feel like you have to leap. And God's not calling you to leap. He's calling you to step. Can we remember that, uh, that the kids movie? Um, uh, what's it called? Finding Nemo. Remember Dory? Right? What, what was Dory's thing? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Listen, you know, you know what a walk of faith looks like? You just keep stepping, just keep stepping, just keep stepping, just keep stepping. You are thinking you have to jump across the entire river. He's just saying, I want you to step your foot in and get your leg a little bit wet and watch me do what only I can do. Ah, I'm sorry, I'm fired up. 
And I think God wants to do it in your life. I know he does, church. I know he does. And I believe God wants to move us today. Move us to not get so looking at natural circumstances and thinking, God, how are you going to do that? For 40 years, they were wandering because they were focused on natural circumstances. But this new generation was focused heavenly. And they remember, you know what? Our God parted the Red Sea. I think he can part the Jordan River. And can I tell you today, God parted the Jordan River. I think he can do it in your life too. You got to take the first step. And then, they, they, so, so this is crazy. In Deuteronomy, it says there were over 600,000 men who crossed the river. They didn't count women and children. Scholars conservatively say there are between two and three million people who crossed the river. Imagine that. If I was a priest sitting in the middle, I'd be sweating a little bit. <laughs> For two to three million people to walk one mile to cross the river. And here's the thought I had. When you see the scriptures, even though the book is named Joshua, they didn't inherit, they didn't inherit Joshua's promised land. It was their promised land. And I think in our Western culture, we are very individualistic in our focus. And I think we have to be careful because our, our scripture, the, our, our God, our faith is very communal. We, we love our independence here, but our faith is very interdependent. And listen, God can do a lot through you, but he can do a whole lot more through us. God can do a whole lot through me, but he can do a whole lot more through we. And perhaps some of you, Maybe the thing that you're not seeing the momentum in your life that you thought you would because God has called you to not do it alone, but do it with others. Who else do you have in your life? Because God has not called you to run this race alone. Our faith is not a self-help study. It's a, it's a group effort. Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily. Here's a thought I have. Two to three million people, there were probably... Statistically speaking, just knowing human nature, knowing our psychological well-being, there are probably some people in that group who were full of faith. Probably the ones in the front of the line. Come on. <laughs> the ones in the back of the line were like, I know I need to start getting places on time, right? <laughs> so some of you felt that. You're like, you're right. I need to start getting places on time. Um, but they, some are probably faith-filled, right? Some are probably fearful, and I think those faith-filled people probably were encouraging those fearful people. Like, hey, God's with us. And can I tell you, sometimes in life, you'll be faith-filled. You have that good meeting at work, and you walk out being like, yes, God's with me. Faith-filled. Then you have a meeting with your boss on Thursday. Fearful. Right? Your kids get a good report from school on Tuesday. Then you have that parent-teacher conference on Friday. Isn't that how life works? You have a great workout on the gym on Monday. You get an unexpected doc doctor's report on Thursday. That's how life works, right? You have ups and downs. And there are some days you are faith-filled. And can I encourage you, if you are in the room or you are watching online right now and you are faith-filled, do not keep it to yourself. Encourage someone else. Before you leave today in this room, encourage someone. Before you lay your head down tonight, encourage someone. Because some people in this room are right now fearful. They're facing a, a doctor's report. They're facing a kid's school report. They're facing a situation at work, and they're full of fear. And you need people. That's why we are called to do it together. That's why, we, <laughs> that's why we're, we're called to be connected to a local church. I would encourage you to get planted in a church. Well, and it doesn't have to be catalyst, but get planted in a church so you have people around you who can encourage you when you're down and people that you can encourage when they are down to continue to run the race marked out for them. Here's the third point, and our final point, is to move forward on mission. Chapter 4, verse 4, Joshua called together 12 men he had appointed, one from each tribe, and said, Go over before the ark of the Lord your, your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on your shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. The stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. You know what struck me? They crossed the Jordan River. 
And they didn't like, they didn't take a moment to celebrate. They didn't have like a, a premature touchdown celebration. You ever seen those videos of like an NFL player, they start celebrating too early, then they get this ball stripped out of their hands. Uh, they take him, they pause, and Joshua says, go take some stones. What, what were they doing? He was thinking to himself, listen, what we are doing is not just for us, it's the generations that come after us. And can I tell you, we are all called to think generationally. Whatever you're building with your life, are you building it with the next generation in mind? Here's my hope and prayer, that our ceiling becomes the next generation's floor spiritually. That they'll do far more than I could ever do in my life because we're building. God is a God of generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God of generations. Are you thinking generationally? Are you investing generationally? How you spend your resources? Are you, sp- are you investing your money with the next generation in mind? Can I tell you what we're doing here at Catalyst Church? We, we want to build in such a way that builds with not just our generation. We're thinking for the generations to come. As I mentioned earlier, our faith is declining amongst each succeeding generation. And can I tell you, we will do the very best that we can to say not on our watch because we have a responsibility to pass on our faith to the next generation. And then in verse 10, the priest who carried the ark remained in the middle of the Jordan as the Lord commanded Joshua was done by the people. They hurried over, and as soon as it was crossed, the ark of the Lord of the priests came to the other side. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them, and 40,000 armed for battle had come over before the Lord in the plains of the Jericho for war. I want you to check this, okay? Not only did they think generationally, but they didn't cross over the Jordan and start celebrating, popping champagne, going taking selfies, hashtag cross the Jordan, you know? Hashtag here we come Jericho. What do they do? They crossed over and they drew their swords because the mission wasn't yet accomplished. And what's, what's intriguing is this. Even though they were ready for battle, they didn't even have to lift a sword because you know the story. When they marched around Jericho, God brought the walls down. They didn't have to lift a sword. They were ready for battle. And here's the thought that I had as I was reading this. I felt like the Lord put in my heart. Be careful that you do not confuse momentum with mission accomplished. Now, sometimes you can think, man, or let me just say this, and please hear this. This isn't a, a, a word of that you need to do more or strive harder. It's a word that you need to fully obey the Lord. Listen, partial obedience is still disobedience. As a parent, you know this, right? You gotta do what God has asked you to do. And momentum doesn't mean mission accomplished. And good enough is sometimes the greatest enemy of God's will for your life. Can I tell you, sometimes I look at our church right now and I'm like, man, I love what we have as a church family. But can I tell you what God reminds me of? Two-thirds of the Washington metro area, which there were four million people, still do not have an active relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think spiritually that should keep us awake as a church, that we're not just here for ourselves. When, when, the, when, the, when the disciples arrived, Jesus is about to ascend to the right hand of the Father. And Jesus in Matthew 28, you know, you know the scripture, he didn't say, hey, well done, good and faithful servants. You have reached Jerusalem. Now, what did he say? Go forth and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to obey everything. Can I tell you, church, we have momentum, but we're not yet a mission accomplished as a church. As long as we are the church of Jesus Christ and we have the commission to go forth and make disciples of all nations, we cannot stop moving forward. And we're going to keep believing in faith for God to do it. Even though we've seen 585 people come to faith in Christ in, in almost three years There are over 4 million people who do not yet know Christ in this area, and that should spiritually move us, church. Even though we have 209 people serving on serve day, do you know that D.C. area, D.C. is one of the leading, has one of the leading rates of homelessness in our nation. Do you know Montgomery County, 12.3% of children in Montgomery County are food insecure. That should move us, church. 
Do you know that 21.1% of children in D.C., one out of five children across the line a mile from here, are food insecure. That should move us as the people of God. We have reached this year close to 150 children and students have been ministered to in Catalyst Church. But do you know that just amongst Montgomery County, Prince George's County, Fairfax County, and D.C., there are close to 800,000 children. And can I tell you, there are fantastic churches all across this area, but there are still not enough kids and student ministries to reach the number of students. And when I go and drop my kids off at school in the mornings, when I go and pick them up, do you know, I thank God for my kids who are in this church. I thank God they have incredible kids leaders who love them and invest in them, that their best friends, I love when my son says his three top best friends, they all go to this church. I love that. But you know who I think of? I think of the over 67% of kids in my children's school don't have the same thing. That spiritually keeps me awake to move forward, and it should for us, church. We have momentum, but we have not fulfilled our mission. Hudson Taylor, the theologian, said the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. And I close with this. Pat Morley says, if the Great Commission is true, if it's true, our plans aren't too big. We're too small. We're too small. So I want to invite you. If this is your home church, be on mission with us. Plant yourself in this church. If it isn't this church, please go find a church and plant yourself in that church. Serve in that church. Be a part of the family of that church. Give to the vision of that church. Why? Because the Great Commission is worth it. Not for us, for generations to come. Not for us, but for the four, over four million people in this area who do not yet know Christ. Be a part. Let me encourage you personally. Seek the Lord. If you don't know what God's calling you to personally, seek his face. Pursue him and follow him. Take a step of faith. I hope some of you got an infusion of courage by the Holy Spirit today to do what God is calling you to do. No matter how insurmountable it seems, know the spirit of the living God is with you. And your church family is behind you. And take that step of faith today. And I'm believing in Jesus' name. In the same way the Israelites saw the water part, you are going to see God move mightily in your life.